1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Morelia Python Radio. Uh, Tonight, uh, we're doing a Carpet Pythons 101, setting up and getting baby carpets to feed. Uh, I got a lot of emails about this particular subject, so I thought maybe why not revisit it, even though Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about it numerous times, right, Owen? Millions of times. Millions of
0: times. Millions of times. (laughs) Every time we have somebody on here who breeds Carpet Pythons, but whatever, we'll do a show for you people.
1: So <laughs> uh so I hope everybody had a good fourth and whatnot. Um what's going on with you, Owen? Uh
0: no, I'm, I'm waiting for the last group of eggs to hatch. Uh I thought it was the ninth, but I can't read my own handwriting. And it's the nineteenth because I yeah, like I said, can't read my own damn handwriting. So I was thinking, any day now. And then I look at it, and I'm like, never mind. So, you know, have to push it off a couple uh, <laughs> weeks. But other than that, I think I have one female that might still lay, and she's due the 19th as well. Um, other than that, dude, I'm, I'm pretty much tapped. I'm taking pictures of babies, which I finally get time to take pictures. I finally dig out all this stuff. I finally set up everything. And wouldn't you know it, like, eight, Babies are like blue and in shed, like I mean, like dark blue. And it's like, yes, it's like you you little mongrels. It's like I have to wait. So, on my bar, everything's still set up all the lights and all the the, the, the little light box and all that fun stuff is all set up and ready to roll. Uh, and I'm just now going to wait until those babies that were blue shed out and I can take some pictures of them. Um, it just—it's one of those things where you know it's part of the uh, breeding and stuff that you never counted on. They will not cooperate. They will always be whenever you want that. Someone's like, "Oh man, can I get pictures of that one?" You're like, "Yeah," and you open it up, and it's like the darkest blue you've ever seen on a snake. It's a like, goddammit. it. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how it
1: goes. I,
0: so like we're waiting.
1: I did the uh, the same thing. Uh, I went to to uh, take some pictures of the citrus tigers. And two of them have shed and five of them didn't. And I was all ready to put them up for sale and get, you know, get that all going and everything. And, um, yeah, I, I was in the same boat and I'm like, oh man, you know, if I take a picture when they're not, when they're blue, it's, you know, it's not going to have the same, you know, the same, uh, and it's like, you know how, like when they come out of blue, and they just, like, their head is yes. swollen, and they look yes, like, you know, guys. they're not even blue. It's just, I mean, like, that shitty blue at you, the end, you know?
0: Long. Yeah. Yeah. My, the one like, super caramel female, the only super caramel female I hatched this year, is on the tail end of a blue where she has that weird-looking head, and she's dark, and I'm like, you ugly bitch.
1: And
0: it's almost like you test it to see if they're peeling. Like, you know, is it going to happen right now? Can I just kind of, you know, see if you want to maybe shed right now? Yeah. So, back in the drawer. So, And and it'll always be... I'll I'll go and I'll check them uh, tomorrow or something Mm -hmm. like that, and nothing will happen. But, like, it'll be, like, Friday when I go and have something to do. That's when I'll open up all the drawers and they'll all... All the ones I was waiting for all have shed. And it'll be one of those, like, God damn it, I don't have time to take pictures.
1: So, yeah. Hopefully I can get it done (laughs) this weekend. So, I got a question for you. So today I'm I'm going through and I'm, I'm feeding and I'm cleaning and uh, I get to poison Ivy. Right. Uh So Uh
0: I'm
1: in, I'm looking at her and she looks like, I swear to God, she looks like she's ovulated.
0: Right. Oh, some, but,
1: uh, 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 but wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So she looks like she's ovulated and even so much like, okay, so here's my question. When, when a carpet, when you've yeah. had a carpet and they've taken a big yeah. meal, do they get that? You know, yeah. we call it the, the square uh, belly scales. Do they get that? Do you ever see them get that?
0: I see them get close to it, but I don't see the ever popping square belly scales. That usually means something they would have had to eat a big meal for that to happen. Like, a big, big one. One that I know you you don't even have in your freezer. (laughs) So, I mean, exactly. So, I don't know, to be honest with you. That's weird, though, right? It is extremely weird. Now, we can sit here, and we can also talk about, could there be a chance she wasn't with a male? And she did get sick. And she didn't lay eggs this year, correct?
1: Well, she was with a male. Uh, There was a lot of locks. Uh, And then she got sick, and I separated them immediately. But... There's no yeah. way she would have waited that long to ovulate, right?
0: I I, I don't know. Ask her. But could this, <laughs> a, a, could this be a retained sperm kind of deal where it just kind of she felt better and then she ovulated and then now all the eggs are now fertilized?
1: I don't know. But if she lays a clutch, then I'm telling you, man, as far as You're Eerie true. and Jaya's – no. Well, as far as Eerie and Jaya's go um, – yep. Then you don't, psych, you don't have to I, cycle. <laughs> you don't have to cycle them. You don't have to do anything. And I have, and I have
0: no excuse anymore. Like none at all. Anywhere at all. It's gone.
1: Well, here's my thinking. And, and go ahead. Tell me if you think I'm on the right track or not. But condros breed all months of the year. Uh, so do. why would it be? Um, why would it be out of the? possibility to think that ijs could do the same
0: i think all carpets could do the same do you remember that one girl in florida jen who had the eggs hatching on
1: christmas yep
0: which means those eggs were laid in october Uh
1: uh-huh so
0: so it, it is not beyond the scope of when they can lay eggs it's all about conditions now i do think you're fighting an uphill battle depending yes. on what the weather is doing outside. So that is why we tend to have seasons because that's when the weather seems to be working out the best for them to breed. But there's nothing to say that certain things like how your house is kept and what the hell the weather's doing outside will affect them.
1: So here would be my other question. Is it possible that I no longer have certain snakes on a temperature cycle and they're now conditioned to my feeding cycle?
0: I'd say yes, but you also have to remember, how long did Poison Ivy go off food when she was sick? Uh,
1: Well, she went off food, and that was at the very beginning of the breeding season. Uh, I want to say that Mm -hmm. was like December, November, end of November. Um, Yeah. Uh, she didn't eat until, I don't know. Well, I started actually, I, as soon as it started, like as soon as I started to bring the temps on the up, um, because she had, uh, I had given her, uh, extra heat because of, uh, you know, just making sure that, uh, she was able to, uh, keep warm. Um, because this is another, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but I found with my experience especially with ijs is that um providing that you catch the um ri very early like early early uh i've mm-hmm. i've been pretty successful with um just providing them with extra heat and pretty much got it out of them um
0: i've i've had, had good success with that too
1: i've had so. i have had a few that were like you know um that you, I I thought for sure that they weren't going to make it. And sure enough, just that, that extra heat kind of, kind of took them over the edge. But anyway, so she had that. So I was feeding her a little bit earlier than like when I was starting the rest of my feeding. Um, but Mm -hmm. she's, she's fed pretty consistently from when did I break the temps back up? Uh, I forget whenever it was, she's fed every week since then. So, um, I don't know if this is the same uh, thing that happened with my Xanac, um, but this is this is ex- it looks exactly the same. Um, unfortunately, uh, she gave me uh, slugs, but I don't know. We'll see. Right. It's kind of weird.
0: So what are you
1: going to do? What a
0: weird you throw season, boy man! In or what? It's so weird.
1: Uh, are you going to throw a boy I, in? What are you going to do? I don't think so because. I, I I don't want to just like throw something to her just because she's, you know, ovulating. There. Um, I right. mean, I'd I'd rather I'd rather wait till next year and put the uh, put the male her son with her rather than just throw something to her. at her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong to sense. do that, but. That's kind of my thought. I
0: bet you there's someone there's someone who's listening to us right now screaming at you about not doing anything. What is
1: wrong with you?
0: (laughs) Yeah, those people don't matter. So it's just it's one of those things. Put your quill pen
1: down and put them together.
0: (laughs) I would suggest letting her sit because you don't want babies hatching in you know December. (laughs) It's like. No. Can you imagine trying to get babies feeding when you're cooling down everybody else and all that other shit? I mean I I had babies hatch in September once and it nearly drove me crazy. The entire clutch was poor feeders. Entire clutch. Right. So and I know more now than I did then, but I still think I would have had a hard time.
1: So Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. I could be just jumping the gun, but it just seems weird to me that, uh, you know, that she looks like that. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll try to yeah. take a video or something and uh, see what people think. But, uh, yeah, she yeah, refused, you refused to feed tonight, so I, I, I don't know, man. Um,
0: hey, it, she, like I said, she could have retained some kind of sperm, and she could be gravid. It would be weird. I wouldn't know what to do with it. And, you know, (laughs) it would also mess up. It would also really mess up your entire breeding schedule for next year if she ended up going so late. Because how are you going to put the food to her when she's gravid throughout, like, all of August?
1: So, Yeah, do you think that would be possible to get her coming up in 2018? 2017? What the hell, man? I'm jumping ahead.
0: Uh, you're jumping um. ahead Dude <laughs> chill We don't even <laughs> Calm calm yourself But Yeah I, I, Could you do it? Probably um, Should could, you do it? Could a lot of things Probably go not <laughs> Yeah Probably not Could a shit yeah. ton of things go wrong? Yes But could yeah. a shit ton of things go wrong Keeping her in the cage fires? Yes So it's Yes yeah. nice, dude You're damned if you do And you're damned if you don't Ain't that the truth so,
1: yeah. um. Yeah yeah so that's kind of uh kind of what I'm dealing with over here but uh other than that everything else is uh is going good Ooh. uh yeah I, I took some pictures of um some of that caramel stuff caramel jags and such um mm, I can't tell what's... goodness <laughs> what <laughs> I did have one that has this wacky pattern man I really dig it it's probably gonna be the one that I love back. the wacky patterns yeah yeah yeah, but uh definitely fun. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited next year about, uh, you know, not really like trying to focus on, uh, a lot of, um, uh, what, what would I say? Normal carpets, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like not <laughs> non-morph carpets. <laughs> non-morph carpets. Well,
0: and, and I would agree. It's just like, and the same thing goes with me that's gone the past like two years. It's like, Pairs I'm excited about, and it's like I'm not real excited about anything. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna try for Carmel's head, Exanic. I say that because we still don't know, and that's what everyone else says right now. Please don't take my head off, you people.
1: Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> so yeah,
0: I know. I'm breeding an Exanic to a Carmel, and they're gonna make babies, all right? Fuck if I know what they are.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: So I'm going to do that. But it's like I'm more interested in, you know, the Max, the Olives. I'm um, try for Dominican Red Mountain Bow again because I'm a psychopath. Um, you still got, you got a know, pair of them? Unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah. um, I don't know why. But, yeah, I still got a pair of them. And then uh, somebody else I know, the, the person who hooked me up with the Dominicans in the first place, has a Trio. And apparently all babies that might happen accidentally because they're in a zoo enclosure are coming to me anyway because they don't want to deal with them. So the potential of having two litters that I don't want to deal with is on my horizon, again, because I'm just a glutton for punishment. So, Wow,
1: you better start breeding geckos, man. Day geckos nah, or some, something like that. Nah, <laughs> I'm going to have somebody else do it. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going
0: um, Nick, I'm like just... Cause he apparently has the velvet geckos and they don't eat their sheds and he uses them as scent things. So I told yeah. him, I'm like, Nick, just send me like a big envelope filled with gecko sheds. He goes, I could probably do that. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there you go. I'll just have, I'll just pay Nick $5 for a big envelope filled with gecko shed. So
1: we'll go from there. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's probably something that I'm going to have to do, um, with having some Anteresia and such uh, down the line, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, um, you know... It, it's one
0: of those things that comes up, man. A,
1: ger- a gecko taco or, you know, wrap it up and, you know, mouse taco or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm telling you,
0: I can just get get a dead day gecko from somewhere and,
1: thaw, and like,
0: thaw your rodents out in it. So
1: works like well, we'll get into uh some trips tips, and tricks, and all that stuff as far as that goes, but Yay! i wanted to uh i wanted to hit on this message that we got from uh Wes mo um yes i thought i thought it was uh that. since you <laughs> since you brought up the exanic stuff I'll read this off and uh we'll go with there uh finally listen to the okay. uh june twenty eighth episode wanted to pass this info uh from the Hognose world along in in case uh It helps with the exanic debate. In Western Hognose world, there are traditional recessive exanics, and there are also um, another type of exanic, and it's called the Arctic, which is an incomplete dominant and has a super form. Um, Oh,
0: son of a bitch. (laughs) Wow. Damn <laughs> It's almost like all the arguments of that it doesn't happen like that in any other snakes were immediately destroyed. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna paste up uh the uh Arctic uh project over in the uh in the chat there so you Go can ahead. take a peek at it. We should also, yeah,
0: we should also throw it up onto the
1: uh, pick uh, or wherever
0: the hell else on the place Python Radio Facebook page, page and other yeah. places for t- people to see. So yes,
1: apparently there is a
0: incomplete dominant form of exanic that
1: happens in hawkhouses. Huh. Now I wonder if there's uh, any other species that would uh, that would have that. I would you not be I mean? surprised,
0: but I would, but where I would be surprised at is like what do they call it? Like we're sitting here and it's like. Nobody else has it. Well they do, but they call it the Arctic. Oh. Well shit. They're like not looking at not not taking the extra step, you're you're not gonna notice that. So hmm. Yeah. It's really so,
1: Yeah, I I thought that was pretty cool. So uh thank you, Wes, for uh passing that along. Um sure is a cool looking snake for sure. I do dig hognose. they pretty cool.
0: There it is, uh, to get the hog note fever.
1: <laughs> Not even he an episode hog. about
0: hog noses, and he's going to get hog noses.
1: So yeah. I, I've I've been wanting to do an episode on hog nose. I think that would be a cool show. Um, you just have to find someone who does hog noses.
0: Called... If you do hog nose and you're listening to my voice,
1: email Eric. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's an odd, uh, so yeah, um, as I finish posting this up, it's called. That's say you're doing something at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for talking while I'm doing
0: it. I appreciate it. I'm (laughs) going to make make it as awkward as possible for you. I'm not helping. I never help. God. It's
1: incomplete dominant.
0: Incomplete dominant.
1: What did you think of the whole uh, debate that they had going on in the chat about the uh, JAG and – Possibly causing uh, pain in the jag. I,
0: I would, I would say, this: has anybody ever seen a snake in pain? Because I have, and depending on the pain and what's going on, they do do a lot with their bodies with the whole writhing and twisting mouths are usually open. They're also very defensive and all that other stuff that comes with, you would assume an animal that is in pain. When I look at a jag that narrows, I don't see pain. I see maybe a temporary loss of control, but I don't really see pain too much. Um, and that being said, I, I have kind of seen more violent throws of jagdom, I don't know what you want to call them, than normal. And that only happened when my zebra jag went in with another male. And he narrowed and he kind of flipped himself all over the place because he was really, really excited, really, really, really on edge, and then he jagged. So, and and it didn't look like he was in any pain there either. So...
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know. That's kind of one of those uh, weird things for me. Hold on.
0: Go ahead. I'll wait here and speak to myself. <laughs> um, but again, I would not say that jags are in pain. Um, it's almost like, and I don't want to say it's like a seizure because I have friends who you know have had seizures and. They don't describe pain. I guess they maybe describe certain things like if they fall and hit something or, you know, if as they're thrashing around, they hit something. And jags don't tend to seize like you would imagine a snake having a seizure would look like. So it's just a temporary loss of the head and neck region. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Interesting. I know, thought it was an interesting uh, debate that they had over the, Well, this wasn't really heated or anything It was just, you know, a discussion that they were having I thought Quiet, we could, Roxy <laughs> or
0: Yeah, right Vector, whichever,
1: whichever small dog is barking, <laughs> silence um, One more thing I wanted to uh, make sure I mention um, Is, uh, I don't know if you saw this But Paul hit on the uh, Albano Super Zebra Finally Okay um, Thank you Oh, uh, really?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I imagine it was like white. (laughs) So,
1: well, it's pink.
0: Well, it's a baby.
1: So, Mm -hmm.
0: give you know, give it a month.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess it would be white. I don't know. Um, Yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't know because like my albino is getting a bunch of orange and yellow and all sort of crap on him, but he's a normal Darwin albino, and I I, I don't remember what his pattern looked like when he was really young, and it's almost like the you know you always say like okay the pink parts are going to turn white and the white parts are going to turn yellow and whatever the hell, I don't know if that really ever happened.
1: Yeah, well I guess if you look at a Darwin, I would think that the well, if you look the yellow um, – so I'm thinking of an albino zebra. So the black turns orange and the yellow turns, like, to white. So would it be a solid white snake? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Again, I would, uh, yes.
0: I would love to see how it grows. It's going to be one of those animals that, like, in, in a year or in a couple months after it sheds a few times, we're like, okay, it's going to be this nice white cream color. And then like a year from now we're like, okay, it's not really that nice white cream color anymore. So it's I would be very interested to see what happens because you're kind of fighting a few things. You're fighting the the yellow from the zebra silence dog. the um, yeah, albino in there. So it's a lot of different things. But I imagine it would come out white. I mean that's exactly if it's a all pink animal, I think we're looking at white, but is it going to be bright ass white, or are we looking at like ivory color white? No. yeah,
1: I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, Should, uh, yeah. I, my guess would be I would think I'm going to share this over in the chat real quick.
0: There you uh, go. Another chat people this. can Let's see change. the photo. And a little picture, yep. picture for the snake.
1: <laughs> It's already over – well, sure. it's just the the head actually coming out, but uh, let's see. Oh, it's not even all the way out yet. Now, uh. in certain
0: super zebras, you can kind of see some little faint of, like, the sides look a little bit darker than the top, blah, 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 blah. So could this thing kind of look like that? I don't know. It could be, like, bright white right on the back, and then it kind of blends down on the sides. I don't know.
1: Yeah, should be. Uh, I think unfortunately he said that the, uh, there was a kink in it. Um, oh, um, it
0: is a super zebra. Regardless yeah. of anything, it is a super zebra.
1: Yeah. So. So I guess we'll wait to see. I'm sure as, as soon as Paul takes it, you know, has it out of the egg, he'll be uh, sharing pics and such with everybody um, for sure. All right. So ha, 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 let's get into. Uh, setting up, tis the season for uh, you know babies hatching and all kinds of cool stuff happening. And um, I think that um, you know first time breeders, uh, the one thing that uh, uh, I'll speak for myself, and it seems to be sort of be the uh, the thing I notice is that they think that once the egg is hatched, that everything all is all
0: the hard work is good. done.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that was the easy part. <laughs> Sadly, you are uh, mistaken. <laughs> um,
0: you're, no, you're dead dead wrong. Dead wrong.
1: God. Yeah. So uh so I guess for the sake of this conversation we're going to talk about uh carpet pythons uh, for the most part, but uh I guess we'll throw in some experience that we have with uh with other species and such, but uh for the most part it's going to it's going to be talking carpet. So um I guess well, let's start with you, Owen. So your eggs start hatching out. Uh, you know, ha- ha- what's what do you do? Do you keep them all together? Do you separate them out? Are you? Well,
0: I immediately panic immediately because I have no step... idea what I'm doing half the damn time. Step one, okay. Panic. Good plan. <laughs> step two, con- <laughs> step two, control yourself. So um, no, it's uh, first thing I do is I I, I start. Um, you prep the bin for the babies once they come out of the eggs. What I like right. to do is put a paper towel in the bin and spray it down just to keep it a little moist. Because um, sometimes these guys do come out with little bits of their umbilicus still attached, and it's not something to forget about. And you definitely don't want to pick at it because there are some blood vessels that could still be there. And if they tear it, they tend to bleed, and you know you'll lose your mind if that happens. Because I've had a few babies where the umbilicus breaks. I'm like, you're bleeding! Why are you bleeding? And then I lose. And then like I cover them with so much cornstarch. Which, if anybody's animal ever gets injured, cornstarch is excellent as a clotting thing. You just pack it in there, and it'll stop the bleed. So I would, like, cover my baby snakes with, like, cornstarch to get them to stop bleeding from their belly buttons. Because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. If you just leave the umbilicus alone, just put them in a moist cage, it'll fall off in a day or two. So don't worry about it. Um... So there's that, um, and then immediately what I do is as I'm pulling babies out of the eggs, uh, of the egg box, I usually will wait for one to pip, and then I will snip, and then uh, wait for everybody to come out on their own. I don't pull babies out of eggs unless I think they're in trouble. Um, and most of the time, if I'm pulling a baby out of the egg, it's because it has not reacted to me touching it, or it's like it, all its brothers and sisters have been out for, like, dates. So, and normally when I have to go get the baby, it's not good. Like spines are bad, head and jaws are missing. Um, There's an extra head. So um, that just kind of happens. So I just usually pull it, you know, pull them out. Once they come out, I pull them out and I'll pop them. I'll sex them. And then I'll usually separate bins, boys from girls. And I don't ever put more than... Uh, 10 babies per bin because I've had them pile up on each other and i had a baby die that way because all his brothers and sisters were on top of him. So I will separate and I will do that. So um, That's what I do and then that's how I usually get them into the bins and then they spend about a week in the sprayed down misted tubs and then I separate them before they start having their sheds. This way I know who has shed and who hasn't. You can start making up their cards.
1: Okay. I uh, I just shared a couple pictures of uh, my couple of experiences that I had. Um, the first one was uh, an albino that did have um, the umbilicus. I don't know if you see it over there in the NPR chat, Owen, but. Uh, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> a little flash of blood. Yep. Yep. When I first saw yep. that though, <laughs> I freaked out. Panic. Um, man. panic, yeah. 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 Uh but I did what uh I did what you said, basically just kept it on moist paper towels and uh it was good to go. Um, so I've done it two ways. I've changed uh the second picture is uh those beautiful citrus tiger head albinos. Look at those stripes, man. Um, <laughs>
0: so <coughs> I'll be down to pick what, up mine later.
1: what I, uh, what I used to do, which, which I don't do anymore since I use Reptiscan, but what I used to do is, is that, um, once one would pip out of the egg, um, uh, I would, uh, I would cut the rest of the eggs, um, and then sort of leave them there. And when they came out, uh, what I would do is I would sex them right out of the egg and I would separate them into two different bins, males and females, um, and just wait until I see they had their shed and then uh, from there I would more or less separate them out. But what I do now is uh, I just sex them right out of the egg, but I separate them from the gate. Um, I've never had any issues with, uh, you know, uh, other carp, you know, like you'll hear with uh, anteresia that uh, they'll eat each other. <laughs> and then usually the one that eats and the other one dies. Uh, I don't know if you've seen so that, with you not, that with king snakes. Have you ever experienced that with king I have
0: not. I I have seen them try. I have never kept baby king snakes together. Right. When it comes to baby king snakes, they're out of the egg, they're away from their brothers and sisters. <laughs> like it's like go to your bin. It's like you're stuck right. in your bin. You will not need anybody in your bin. Um when it comes to that, I will usually do that. Uh baby corn snakes I will leave with each other. Um and those are probably the only colubrids I Bread. Oh no, uh, bull snakes and pine snakes. Same deal. I'll, I'll let them hang out with their brothers and sisters for a little bit. But uh, king snakes, I they're, they you hatch them. If there's any danger of them eating each other, you don't get like no separate. Like if I have olive pythons, the babies are not going <laughs> <it>, to ever. No. <laughs>
1: like yeah, no, no,
0: they're going right into their own bin. All right, like, done.
1: So, yeah. yeah. So for me, um, I separate, um, uh, I separate them out. Um, and I set up, uh, cause I do use rep to scan now, uh, super easy to set up a clutch. Um, basically you go into the system, you, uh, you, you hit this uh, tab and it says, um, you know, the clutch that you have, you want to make it into babies, you say how many mm-hmm. uh, are are good. With males. Uh, many, you know. Yep, how many, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and it just makes you uh, a cue a uh, a, a uh, and you put it on there, you, you know, you attach it on the bin, whatever, however you want to do it. Um, what I do is I like to, uh, just for records of my website, I take a pre-shed and a post-shed picture. Um, so... Uh, I gather them all up. I take a quick picture of them, uh, pre-shed, uh, give them their, uh, their, you know, their tub, uh, stick the sticker on it and just kind of let them chill. Um, so as far as like a basic setup for me, um, mm-hmm. I, I just use, um, uh, paper towel, um, I use those select a sheet ones that, you know, that's like the perfect size for a a baby bin. Uh, So they're already like you just have to shred, you know, like rip it and it's like the perfect size. I use those. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I do use a uh, 16 ounce uh, deli cup. Um, The reason is, is that I've noticed that uh, they perch on that as well as, you know, that being the water bowl. Um, And I use like a paper towel roll. And I use that for a hide, uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, I set them up and just you know let them chill out for probably about i don't know i guess it's what a week, two weeks before they shed once they shed then then I start going with uh with meals and such um, right One thing that I do that I stole from uh from from matt Matt Minitola, is um mm-hmm. I use a sticker system. Uh, so on, on the tubs, what I do is, uh, just so I can look at the, uh, at the tub and just have an idea of, of what's what. So for females, I give them a red, you know, like those dot stickers. Um, for males, Uh I give them blue sticker. Um, once they've taken a meal, they get a green sticker. Um, and if it's a whole back, I use a yellow sticker. So that way, anything that I look at, I know what's for sale, I know the sex, and I know whether or not it's feeding um or not. Just makes it uh makes it easier to look at in a, at a glance. Yeah. True. So, um
0: what I normally do is they will have the card with their barcode on it, and on the back side of the card I have a bunch of notes to myself like when this was when, when it's where a shed was, when it ate, what's it eating at this point, blah, 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 blah. This way I can look back. Though, the the, the barcode is just normally for the customer who buys it so they can have the full readout of stuff. But um, the sticker system is nice. I, I've heard, seen that, and I do like it. Um, I kept trying to yeah. do the same thing myself. I just got too annoyed with sticking them. I was an idiot and stuck them on the bin, and then the following year I had to like fight to scrape off the stupid stickers. So if you put them like, right on the card, then it can just...
1: Go where need to go. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you there, but uh, you know, it, that's pretty much what I. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do you? You are you having? Uh, you know, Brandon just said in the chat that he wish uh, he has a few going on seven weeks. Have you ever experienced that, Owen? Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. 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 What I don't if if the majority of the clutch is shed. I'll offer food to everybody, because there's always that one that's like, didn't shed, went blue, went clear, didn't peel, you soaked it, you've done everything, doesn't look as close, you try to, like, you've, like, rubbed on its nose to see if anything's loose, nothing's loose, screw it, you feed it, it eats, it's got the big-ass bulge, and then it poops, and then, like, shortly after it eats, like, it could even eat twice, all of a sudden it just sheds again, like, it, all of a sudden it just sheds. And it's weird because you almost don't realize it until you're going through the cards and you're like, holy crap, you've eaten the same amount as your brothers and sisters over here, but they're getting close to their second shed. You haven't even done it once yet. And then he they shed and then they're on the same schedule as everybody else. So, Wow. Yeah. Don't always go by sheds. If the majority of the clutch has shed, offer food to everybody.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, as far as... Um... Yeah, as far as feeding goes, well, I don't know. I, I usually wait until – I don't know. Maybe I'm just lucky, but the majority of mine usually shed all at the same time. I, I really haven't had any holdouts, and I guess if maybe they oh did, I, all I, the, I, I feed all the them all at the same time It's anyway. magical. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've had my own fair share of problems for sure. Uh so yeah, that's uh that's basically how I set up. I would I would mention that um I don't know, are you, are you into uh perching and stuff? Not with baby
0: carpets. I've never put like you know they have that like rubber screen thing like in the half circle yeah. across or they put the little plastic bottom of a hanger in there for baby chondros and stuff yeah i mean i've i've thought about that I, and, and i stopped doing that um it was probably the ruffies that made me realize that that was probably not worth it because i put it in uh for the ruffies and they never used them they're just like that's nice up there and it's like god <laughs> damn it you're supposed to perch you're su- This would be a bumpy chondro. Now, I'm like, all right, fine, forget it. And then I put it in, like, a hide box, and they sat on top of the hide box all the time. So it it makes no damn sense. So I don't put perching in. I probably would for more arboreal species, like a green tree or a tree boa or something like that. And a lot of times i found if you get a hide box that is good enough, um, that is kind of, like, shallow enough for them to sit on top of, uh, they'll sit on top of that and then also be able to, you know, slide around and do a lot of fun stuff. So you don't really need the perching. So, um, but I do know some people who have success with problem feeders by giving them a perch. It's almost like they get a little bit more confidence being up in something like a twig or something like that.
1: Yeah, I just posted over in the, oh, wait, did I post it in the, nope. I, gave I don't it, know what you I, did. I sent it to Lou. Ha, <laughs> ha, sorry, Lou. Oh.
0: Um, which he Lewis. has a
1: question. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just sent it in the chat. So David, uh, uh, yeah, here it goes. Okay. So S3D okay. specialty enclosure to enclosure designs, um, David Brahms, he came up with this, um, idea, which I think is, is genius. It's just like this, uh, I don't even know what you would say. It's like a uh it's like the, a coat coat hangers uh in an X, but it sort of sits on a
0: right, it sits uh, on the little deli cup or whatever the hell and the waters in the deli And No, 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 you, like, no, 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 no. The... no, no. 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 No, no, no. Oh my, no. Oh, my oh my god. I
1: don't know this what This is like anymore. uh well, look in the chat. You can see what I'm talking about. It's like a
0: oh, wait, it has four it?
1: little All right. Posts uh, that stand yeah. up. So basically, you can take this old oh. perch thing out, set it aside, clean it up, put the perch back. Isn't that genius? That That's is really fantastic. cool.
0: Fantastic. I want to copy this from my older condros. <laughs> the
1: one that I have. Yeah, her. I really like yeah, that. I'm just gonna
0: copy it for her. That is awesome. See, that yeah. is intelligent because you don't have to worry about shit. I love that. If only I've read condros. So,
1: especially with condros, because they don't really move much. So, you can kind of like they don't want to I think the the only problem with the carpet if you took it out probably more than like a if you didn't move fast enough, they would probably uh roll dive off um, the yeah, dive right off the perch and hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh we got a uh yeah, we like got that. a message from uh Lou Serrano. Um uh-huh. And this has to do with you specifically, Owen. Um, oh, God. What You That's know those hides that you use? Uh, yes. makeshift um, Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, like, what the height and, the di- you know, like, uh, the diameter? Oh, for
0: the love of wait, God. A <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on.
1: Is he talking oh, about – I wonder if he's talking about the new – the new hide thing that you got? The new, new ones
0: on? or the, the or... baby ones? All right, let's just yeah, sure. real quick. Yeah, go All ahead. Right, now, my you got to understand is that my cages for my adults, my fours and my threes, are probably about, because um, the standard size for a cage is it's like 16 inches tall. Mine are 18. So there's a little bit more head space. So I can put a 10-gallon Tough mutter, whatever the hell they call them, Tub, the ones you get at like Lowe's or Walmart They're usually blue or green And they have snap-on lids Because I have the taller cages That's what allows my snakes to sit on top of them And inside of them The problem is is that I also have a stack of the normal size And I cannot put Those tubs in those cages So actually I'm trying to find something to put in A normal sized uh, Cage And I will let everybody know when I find something that works for me As far as the babies go I use five-quart bins, but my baby hides are actually the bottoms of cases of pipette tips. If you know anybody who works in a lab, they usually, they're plastic, they're hardy, they're durable, and they do not come in contact with anything that the lab is doing because they're sterile pipette tips that go in these things. What happens is when they inject a a tip, they usually take their pipette and they go get a new tip out of this thing. And after all the tips are used, they throw away the cases. So I've had several people who work in labs, so I just tell you, hey, grab all the cases you can for me. Because I found out they fit perfectly in my baby bins, and all I have to do is take a little hot iron like they use for burning wood in art classes and stuff like that, and just cut a square for the babies to go into, and that's what I use in my baby bins. I don't know their exact measurements, but they're, a lot, they're small enough to fit in a five-quart tub. With enough clearance for a baby to sit on top of the case, on up, up top of it, inside the bin easily. And then for my 32 quarts, I kind of took a five quart bin or a four quart bin from Walmart and I used those as the bins for the 32 quarts. I'm working on something for the 41s and, like I said, I'm working on something for the normal four footers. So, yeah, that's it. Cool. But, yeah, I I I did like little solo cups for the longest time, but I just kind of stopped doing it.
1: So, so what are you using for your um, for your uh, substrate for babies?
0: Uh, newspaper. Newspaper. Okay. Oh, yep. Oh, yep. Newspaper. Um, I found out that if you go to like, I'm going to say, if you go to Wawa people in the <laughs> what's a wall wall <laughs>
1: what's a, right. really like, kinda... a
0: wall wall mate what <laughs> exactly so if you go to any kind of convenience store they have those free little catalogs in the front of the store um they usually are for like people trying to sell cars or sheds or homes or whatever the hell yeah i usually grab those because if you tear them right along the binding they fit perfectly into a five quart tub um you know you obviously can put in like I usually like to put in about three pieces this way it covers and there's some extra padding, but yeah, that's what I use in my baby bins because it's free paper. It's always, it's already cut the size and just kind of get to go. Um, you know, just don't get caught grabbing like 12 at the same time. so. Um, <laughs>
1: About it, have, damn it. have you been tackled by the,
0: uh, I, the I, I admit the, to nothing Hey, If I cashier. went to your shop right And I was stealing If I went to your shop right and I was stealing your auto traders Would you sprint out of your office to come tackle me
1: I, For you Yes absolutely yeah. <laughs> For other people it was uh, you no. Yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright Now I know what I'm going to do With your new store Once I realize Uh, you're in it, I'm just going to go start making
1: trouble. So, Uh, awesome. Um, Yeah, we're used to that kind of thing in Philadelphia, so that's just how it goes. Um, Yeah, for me personally, (laughs) I just use um, uh, I use a mix of between unprinted newspaper, but for the most part, for babies, I use paper towels. Um, I just use. yeah. burn through so many paper towels <laughs> so yeah well fortunately working at a grocery store i always get the best price on them and you know i can stock up oh and my god buy yeah. a 12 pack <laughs> every day for you know what i mean so it's like you know i stock up on it it's not like i have thousands of babies or you know anything like that so um so here's my my next question so you're using Reptiscan, scan right is that what you use yes yeah. Okay. Yes. So what uh, what do you track? What do you track as far as your babies?
0: Feeding and shedding and their lineage. That's pretty much what I do as and that's, well. Uh-huh. And that's pretty much it. I am not going to write down every time I clean them. You're just going to have to trust me that I cleaned the animals. <laughs> so I'm um, also not going to mark down every time they've had like a poop or things like that I will try to track down their sheds And also the, I might be off by a few days Like right now the I haven't really marked down the reptile scan But I've been keeping track on their cage cards So uh-huh. before the next show that I go to in August I'm going to update the, reptiles, the reptile scan This way everybody's got cards And if anybody I send out Like I have a baby shipping out tomorrow I'm going to send her cage card information with her Because I'm going to update her as soon as I can Um, probably Ah. tonight. This way it's good to go. So, yeah. But those those are the only things I track. I'm not going to be one of those guys that tracks all those other things. And I really just like the reptile scan for um, lineage stuff and just kind of the feeding and the shedding is just one thing that kind of adds to it. Um, I really like how you can gauge parents. And also, you can have a deceased animal – and still use it to mill the family tree. And you can also have an animal that isn't in your collection. You can, like, add the picture and say, this is not mine. And this so way you don't have to – because, like, the first month I was working on it, I didn't know how to do it. So I kept, kept like, throwing the alerts saying, hey, Jason Bale and Jaguar is hungry. I'm like, I don't give a shit about Jason Bale and Jaguar. It's not my animal. So <laughs> – Tell Jason to feed it. So it was like that. Get on the phone and give him a
1: message and say, hey, Jason. Yeah, Jason, (laughs) your jags hungry. He'd be like, what the hell
0: are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just that's that's what I like, and I really like to do that because it does also kind of keep everything a little – it's a lot of data to process, and a lot of guys like to know or a lot of customers like to know – exactly where the animal is. Usually the first thing I'm always told or always asked is what is it eating?" and "When was the last time it fed? So to be able yeah. to present that to a customer is awesome.
1: So. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I, I, I've been keeping track of weights only just because I'm curious to see how that, um, not of all of them, just of some of them. Um, just because I'm curious to see how that graph looks, you know, when, when you're using rep scan but, uh, other than that I'm I'm with you. I just keep uh, uh basically uh sheds and uh feedings. Um that's it. I forget. Um,
0: I forget. Somebody somebody was texting me and they're like, My babies are and they just texted me all the weights of their babies and they're like, That's good, right? I'm like, I don't know, I don't I don't ever weigh my babies. And he goes, Really? I'm like, Yeah, I do not weigh my babies. I don't know. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> like, you know. It's what is it eating? This, this and this.
1: All right sounds good to me. So um I guess for me, uh I don't know if I'll ever use it for anything. I don't know if it will be, you know what I mean? I, I I I don't know, but I do I do take the weights when they come out of the egg. Um I'm just was curious with uh you know the difference between artificial and maternal incubation. Um but that's that's not something that I do for a, for like a customer. That's more of like for me. And my record, your
0: curiosity.
1: Yeah, that's right. it. Um, you know, it's again, like I said, it doesn't doesn't really make a difference um, how you do it. I know some people use index cards. Uh, I know, like, because I've bought so many snakes from them, I know Nick uses like this sticker system where he writes, you know, like, he has a sticker that I, that's on the tub, uh, and he basically mm-hmm. just writes uh the info on that sticker and that way when um he sends it out um, he puts that sticker on the uh on the deli cup that he's sending it and that way you'll have that uh info. Um yep. I would imagine that if you I have like- a big collection it's probably hard to uh to use rem to scan uh for would uh take a while. Yeah. So um so yeah, I mean that's how that's how I set it that up. That's how I track it. Um, one of the things that uh, this is through trial and error, like when we talk about, um, you know, uh, why? So you you just what are you doing for your for your babies? How do you have it set up? My babies, my babies
0: are set for
1: eighty-seven.
0: Is a hot spot in their cage? Oh wow,
1: okay. Yeah. And ambient is keep what them, like eighty. keep them little bastards warm. Yeah, eighty. Yeah. Is there a reason why you keep them more? I'm just curious of that. No. Nah, it's nah. just, just what I've always done. And yeah, But you're but that, you're offering so, bigger changes. meals, right? You're offering bigger meals. I'm offering
0: right? I'm offering meals. I don't know what the hell we're gonna call bigger. <laughs> um <laughs> bigger to who, but um right. and I you know, and I say eighty seven, I think normally their cages get to be about eighty six and that's it. So um Okay. But It's one of those things I I do offer, um, hoppers just like you right out of the, right out of the egg, but Uh it's almost like, it's almost like live hoppers versus frozen hoppers. It's like, they don't realize that it's not the same critter. I'm like, I would like a frozen version of that. And what, and what I get is a small mouse. And I'm like, I did not want this small mouse. I wanted a hopper. And so that's what you gotta do. Um, but uh it's kinda one of those things and yet the it's a little difficult because I do get some I do get some babies that come out of smaller eggs and are smaller than some of their other brothers and sisters and it's one of those things where it's like these guys are all on hoppers which are almost like small mice and these guys this these two three are on like fuzzies because that's the size of prey that I have for them. So Okay, it's one of those things. Right. Yep.
1: So yeah, so I mean, I've talked about it multiple times. Uh I used to use frozen thawed. I used to struggle with um you know, animals not feeding, uh, you know sometimes you leave it in overnight, that's always a trick. Um right. but uh I just start with live hoppers, uh and then I go from there. Um typically what I found is that I I do that twice and usually, uh, for the most part, uh, that third time I go to feed, um, they are taking it, uh, with no problem, no problem at all. Um, I,
0: I do not start with the, um, live. I usually start with frozen thought. And then if I have to, I will go to live, um, it just I know you can get, you get live a little bit easier than I can. I usually have to uh, get them at the shows. So if I have an animal that's feeding live, it's like I have to get a few at a show, feed it like two, three times after a show. Like, you know, I'll feed it like the day of the show. I'll feed it two days after the show, and I'll feed it again during that week. And then I have to go try to find hoppers again until the next show. But I do right. go to enough... Shows in the little tri-state That I can kind of Kind of do live feedings But I don't like doing it um, So I will do Frozen thawed And then if I have to I'll get pushed onto live Like I had to do with the bread lie I've had to do with uh, My one M-pen clutch Forced me on the live too And I, you always have those One or two That just Never take it I'm um, going to strangle my albino If he doesn't start eating regularly um, But I'm being
1: told i was the only one. I think that's sort of what uh, turned me on to the whole using the hopper thing. Uh, When I bred IJs, uh, I had no issues with them taking frozen thawed from the gate. Uh, But when I started messing with albinos and head albinos, uh, crosses – um, and I know it's mm-hmm. the same for the, uh, for the normals. I've also had issues with Darwin's, um, baby Darwin's as well. Um, so I stopped messing around with that and I just went straight to hoppers, uh, for whatever reason, those albinos and anything that's had albino, um, is a little bit trickier to, uh, to get feeding. Um, but I think, uh, for the most part, I've had probably 99% success with the live thing and you don't have to do it that long. You know, it's just, uh, basically, you know, uh, like I said, three, three feeds in and and they're switched over to frozen thawed, uh, is usually what I find. So, um, yeah, uh, as far as heat goes for me, uh, I keep things a little cooler um i'm probably 84 hot spot and uh maybe 80 ambient somewhere between 78 and 80 uh going back and forth mm-hmm. um i find that uh i don't really feed all that big of meals uh i'm just feeding mm-hmm. uh more often um uh, but i probably if you would look at what i'll just take me and you Owen, and if you look at what we do probably if you added it up for a year uh, it would probably work out to be the same. I just feed heavier at a specific yeah. time, but I'm feeding a smaller prey item. So, so that's just, and I say that just because, you know, it's, it's just one of those things we said it a million times. It's it, You do what, you know, what works for your snakes and what gets your snakes going. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, I mean, would you say as far as carpets go, would you say that they're, uh, they're tricky to get going, for the most part. No, no, I don't believe they are at all.
0: Um yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those. They will, and of course, I, I would have said that they are quite difficult until I had the litter of Dominicans. Because I mean, if you want to talk about difficult, go that way. <laughs> you know, have have one clutch or litter of a specialty species, and then come back to carpet pythons. You're like, would you like the mouse? It goes, yes. I'm like, thank God. So. It's, it's one of those that eventually a baby carpet will eat. Um, where I used to get myself into big trouble is I would panic early and try to uh, – and, and I would resort to force feeding, I believe, too early. Um, and I would end up stressing out a bunch of babies, and it would never work. Um, those babies would eventually start eating, but at that point, they're so far behind their brothers and sisters – and I've had the stress of force-feeding them mo- multiple times, and there was some regurgitations and blah, 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 where it's almost like right now I've kind of decided that I don't like force-feeding, and I don't want to do it. So I'm going to try everything I can to get you to eat on your own. I don't give a shit what it is that you decide to eat. Just eat it. So right now I have four babies that are not eating, but they are biting and wrapping the food, and they just don't take it. So I'm actually going to bump them down to something smaller and see if they take that a few times. That's fine. If they don't like that, then I'm going to get them something small that is alive and I'm going to try to feed them that. Um, I have had animals that required force feeding uh, and it took nearly a year to get them to eat on their own. Uh, When I do... Go down the road of having to force feed an animal. I don't like using the prey item. I'm trying to get them to eat. I don't like using whole prey items. I'll cut up a mouse tail or a rat tail and use chunks of that to force feed them. I'll take the legs off of chicks from the knee down and use that to force feed as well. Um, okay. Small things. Just that to get them get them going. I won't ever, like, if I'm trying to get them to eat a hopper, I'm not going to, like, jam a hopper in their face and try to get them to swallow it, because it almost is like, I smell that, and that's, I don't like that. That smell usually leads to my throat hurting and someone prying my mouth open. So, they they won't like chicken for the rest of their lives, but who gives a shit? It'll eat rats. So, it's it's one of those things that I try to think about, Um, but... Like I said, if I can get them eating on their own and not force-feeding golden, I don't care if they're eating scented, you know, hopper. I don't care if they're eating hamster fuzzies. I don't give a shit what it is as long as they're eating it. I'd rather get them eating because then switching is so much easier than anything else. So.
1: Yeah, so my experience, um, you know, I've had issues where I've had – babies not feed for God it was like six months. This was the one that got lost mm-hmm. in your cage. That zebra jag. Uh that yeah, thing yeah. didn't blame eat. me for that one.
0: Why don't you? Yeah. But.
1: <laughs> that thing didn't eat for six months. Um I I kind of used to have the uh mindset. Uh, I still do with some it, it just depends. It's it's one of those things I go back and forth with. I, I, I had the mindset that if it wasn't gonna eat then, you know, it was just gonna die and it is what it is and you know, it's kinda of like uh selecting uh natural selection type of deal. Um but yeah. um which I, I know that's not the case. But um so I, I have I think it was the first year I produced the albino's I had albino zebra jag that just would not feed um, what I used is, is I used a pink head, um, frozen pink head. Yep. Um, I just, I, I assist fed basically. Um, so that year was the first time that, uh, Bill Stiegel helped me a lot with, uh, with getting them going. So, um, the first trick I tried was, uh, you take the, the snake, uh, you take the, uh, I used the fuzzy, um, and I put the, um, the fuzzy in the in a in a brown paper bag. I put the snake in a mm-hmm. bag. Uh I stuck the bag in the tub and I left it in overnight. Uh I did get a couple to go that way. Um yep. so that, that that was a trick that worked. Um uh perching, uh that was another trick that worked for some reason for you know, I think you said earlier uh, that uh you know providing a perch when they when they can strike down at it For whatever reason, that seems to get them going. Um, Hides uh, is another one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes I've found that uh, some snakes don't like to take uh, take it off the tongs, but if I would leave it in overnight, uh, it would take it. Um, I have had quite a few um, snakes uh, carpets that, um, for whatever reason, you have to. Uh, it probably takes like nine or 10 times. Uh, what they'll do is they'll strike and they'll wrap and they let it go. And then you come back and it's like, it's laying on the bottom of the tub. You pick it up, you strike it wraps, walk away, same thing happens. Uh, I would just, you know, the key is patience. Um, and, uh, you know, you just have to, you have to be patient and eventually, uh, they do go. Um, more on the pink head. Basically you take the pink head, uh, very carefully. Um, you sort of like nudge the mouth open. Um, and once it's sort of like, uh, wedged in the, in the teeth, uh, you get it to a point where it's sort of just, it has no choice but to swallow it. Uh, you set the snake down, um, let it swallow it and you leave it alone. Um, Yep. A, a week a week or two then come back and uh you know um usually uh <clears throat> usually it uh takes it um so i've I've had success with that another one this one i got from jason bail and i know you've used it as well is chick down uh so basically yeah. you take the uh you get some chicks i got some frozen chicks uh you cut off a little of the uh the down as the uh the underneath the, the the feathers on the on the underneath the belly um i mm-hmm. i've done it to where i've just i've cut that off and just you know kind of uh solved the rodents out with uh with that in a in a plastic bag um i've also like rubbed the chick all over the all over the
0: yeah, the, uh, you, the prey <laughs> you can do that
1: uh uh-huh. uh-huh. um,
0: I've also used actual chicken stock, like not like I'm not talking chicken broth, like chicken stock. I've used that. I've also used um, tuna, like you know when you drain a can of tuna, the water that comes out. I use uh-huh. that as well as something to scent it to get it something to be like, hey, that smells different. And they'll sometimes eat that, which it may maybe <laughs> I had a few babies on that the one time. So feed night was Wednesday, and I always ended up having, like, tuna fish sandwiches on Wednesday. They I drained <laughs> these cans of tuna, I was like, well, shit, all right, whatever. And I just eat t- – like, I'm pretty sure my mercury levels were, like, through the roof at one point. So regardless. But that was one of the things that you do. Um, but I think the best thing is, again, I have chicks because I like to feed the scrubs chicks because it keeps them lean. Um, I also feed them the Dominicans as well as the monitors. So I got plenty of chicks. So I will thaw out a chick with some of the hoppers and fuzzies that are made that are meant for the baby carpets, and they go for right. It. Um, the other thing is braining. Um, I will take a pinky and I will take a needle and I will stick it through its little cranium, and then you uh-huh. squeeze it until what co- looks like snot comes out of the hole that you just poked, and you rub that all over the head of another fuzzy. And that will sometimes get a snake to go crazy. Now, a lot of people, like, poke it, make it ooze out a little bit, and then offer them this, the, the animal that they just poked. Almost, okay. That almost never works for me. But giving them, like, a super hot, you know, fresh out of the water um, fuzzy with the pinky brain smeared on it, they go right for it. And I've also okay. done the same thing where I'll take a pinky and I will, like, cut open its abdomen and shove the whole head of the fuzzy into the abdomen of the pinky and get that all nice and going, and then put that in with the baby neck too.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Sometimes it works. Yeah, they're all uh, just different uh, just different things Weird. you can try. Um, I found that, um, uh, so as far as equipment goes, um, do you what are you using? Do you have tongs? What do you use your fingers? What how are have, you doing
0: it? don't ever use your fingers because you're hotter than whatever food you're offering to the baby snake. And you're yeah. to your thumb tips bit. So, um, I have the little forceps like surgery forceps. Okay. Um, I like those because you can kinda you can handle them a little bit easier and they're easy to open and close and they and they're meant to be used one handed. So you can have that with one hand and then you can you know, open the bin once the baby's wrapped up and biting. You can start closing the bin so it kind of flows. A lot of times where you mess up is if the baby snake bites wraps and is got it, and then you try to close the bin, you'll freak him out a little bit, uh-huh. and then they'll let it go. So, um, and I like the uh, the forceps, the one pair of forceps that I got, I really like because they're long and they're curved, so I can be like over here and nowhere near where I'm offering you this pinky. Or fuzzy, and then the baby snake goes right for that instead of me.
1: So, yeah. So, are you heating up? Like, are you heat like heat up some water, or or thaw thaw them in hot water? What What are you doing? I I have
0: I have these two giant buckets for food for everybody, and that's what happens: a giant bucket of food for everybody. Um, but then I have this smaller little bucket that's just for baby food. Because if I threw baby foods in with the big guys, by the time I got through all the big guys feeding to get the babies, it'd be cold by now. So the babies have their own little tiny bucket. This way, uh, they're the first ones I feed when I go downstairs. So hot water, everything's thawed out, and then I bring it right down and I start feeding the babies. And this way, they usually get it the hottest and freshest ready to roll. So um, that's the way it works out. Um and it does go straight from water to baby. It's not one of those. I try to towel it off or um dry it off a little bit or let it sit out it's it, it, I don't care if it's dripping wet. it goes right to the baby
1: so I actually prefer it to be wet because I think uh it helps with yeah. the hydration but uh um
0: yeah, and, and sometimes like i've had have you ever had one baby that like leans over and starts drinking the water off of the fuzzy?
1: No, <laughs> I've never had that. That's pretty it's cool. Like I'm, I'm,
0: I'm holding it out, and I'm holding, I hold this fuzzy out, and this baby snake leans over and it puts, like you ever seen them like put just their lips in the water and drink? Yes. It starts doing that, but like on the fuzzy's like head, so it's drinking the water off the fuzzy, and then wow. after it does that for like a minute or two, it just go, it just opens its mouth and grabs the fuzzy and then goes back down with it. I'm like, oh hey, whatever. So yeah. All right. Sometimes if, if it's really wet and they're thirsty, they're like, Oh water So, you know, it's Yeah. It's one of those things.
1: Um one thing I do, uh sometimes I've done this with uh baby Darwins, um, is that uh I'll get a, a cup of water, I'll microwave it to where it's like really, really hot mm-hmm. and I'll bring that into my snake room right when I'm gonna feed them. And uh I put the uh the prey in there um, you know, for, I don't know, less than a minute, I pull it out and usually, boom, they take that right away. Uh, I I've had, I've had pretty good success with that. Um, another, uh, thing that, uh, that I've done is I use these, I was trying to find it when you were talking, Owen, um, I bought them on yeah. Amazon and, and, uh, the guys over at GTP Keeper Radio recommended them, um, they're uh, they're tongs, but they're used for uh, model trains. Um yes. But the uh, – Buddy
0: gave me the... a set – last Carpet Fest, Buddy gave me a set as a housewarming present. So, yeah, yeah, they're, like, really long, really thin. Yeah. They're so damn pointy, though. I'm always worried that a baby's going to be like, oh, food, and fail his head on the thing.
1: So, well, I use the um, – uh, it comes with a set of two, but the, uh, the, the yeah. other ones kind of have, like uh, – they're, like uh, – it It's not straight, it's kind of uh angled curve yeah
0: um, a, a, yeah, it goes down,
1: they're not as pointy, that's the ones I use, but I found that they they release really well uh there's there's yes. like it's just like I found with other tongs sometimes they're not as uh they're not as comfortable uh but these seem to work really well, but uh the one trick that that I also use is uh and this it this seems to work particularly with IJs – is that there's like this there's like this spot right behind the neck. So when you get a carpet and it's sort of like in that striking position, I go I, I go to the open side, if that makes sense, of the of the S. Yeah. Um so I yeah, like the outside uh curve I guess and I just sort of tap the the snake right there with the prey and it sort of opens up their neck a little more. And like right where that bend is when they're in that uh, striking position, like right behind in the jaw, if I tap it in there, they seem to just, there's like, it's like an automatic reflex to where they just kind of strike it and wrap it. Um, and I've yeah. had pretty good success with, uh, with that, um, with getting them going. Uh, if you've, if you've had trouble. Um,
0: yeah, the good thing is to not touch them anywhere else but maybe the side of the neck, um, and that's how you're going to get them to to bite. Um, if you like, if you're jabbing them like all over their body, and they're not biting and holding on, they're like biting defensively, trying to get away from you. Stop what you're doing, put the put the pinky down, and close the damn drawer because all you're doing is just fu- firing them up and getting them scared, and nothing nothing's ever going to eat at that point. So. And, and sometimes when you leave it like that, they will come back to it later and they'll be like, Oh, this is food and they'll just eat it. So
1: yeah. yeah. It's one of those things. Yeah. I, I would agree. If if I if I'm not getting uh if I'm get I, I'm not trying to stress them out, so I find that uh yep. if I'm not get if I'm not getting anything going, um and and I I've done it. I sort of just, you know, let it go and I let it go a week, yeah. man. I don't come back for, for another oh, week yeah. and then I, I give it a, give it a try again. Um, uh, but typically, I don't know um, for me. Get hungry. Yeah. For me personally, uh, I found that uh, they typically will, will go eventually, you know, carpets. Uh, I, will I find do. the, the advantage of uh, them being what, what I would say is like a little bit nippy, uh, even though I've been bit more by my ball pythons than by my carpets, but uh, that well, that's reputation just of like you open the
0: ball python's mouth and shove your finger in. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, they they bite, man.
0: <laughs> you, I, I don't I don't understand how it must be a hobbit thing. So.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they bite. Anyway. Um, uh, the, the fact that they're a little bit uh, nippy uh, makes, I think, feeding them and getting them going a little bit better. Uh, I helps. actually prefer that because uh, they're going to strike. And usually when they strike, they wrap. And usually when they do that, then, you know, I guess in their little brain, it kicks in that, you know, oh, this is food. I guess I'll eat this. So,
0: I mean, th- everybody should know that it takes like 1.5 seconds from when teeth hit prey to first coil. So, and that's true for all snakes. And it's like, so if, if, if they're biting and the coil isn't coming, it, it, it should be. But when the coil comes, when the first coil comes, right. wiggle the prey, like move it, like thrash, like go, like just a little bit because the snake, like its brain and instinct is anticipating a fight. So, it bites. the first coil's around, and then you, like, wiggle the prey a little bit. After that, like, two, the second coil, third, fourth, like, it just goes real fast. And then it's got it. And then it'll squeeze tight, and then it'll start eating it. So, if you just kind of go, like, oh, he's kind of wrapping it let it go, it's not going to go. Like, make him fight for it for the first couple goes. Because then it will actually, like, really... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um... What do you, what else? Do you, I mean, do you use any other equipment uh, as far as uh, you know with your babies and your whole well, getting I have, them from I have a pink... egg to uh, yeah, I mean, sale? Egg to egg <laughs> to adulthood. Yeah,
0: um, it's egg to adulthood. Well, I have a camera that helps with the sale part. Um, but I have um, I've had other tools that I have stopped kind of using. Like um, I had I have a pinky pump which is a waste of money. If anybody ever goes and buys like a pinky pump, it, it, that's all it is. But if you are someone who's absolutely in love with their pinky pump, I don't know why you are, but um, they have a serrated disc in them, which is a disc with three little holes drilled in it. And you're supposed to make the pinky go through that hole, those three little holes. It doesn't work. And all of a sudden there will be pinky guts everywhere, all over your hand, all over the baby snake. Nothing will get down the, pink, the baby snake's body. So you take apart the pinky pump and you remove the stupid serrated disc and you throw it the F out. It is stupid and unnecessary because now you have just a straight tube into the snake's mouth. And usually sending the pinky through once doesn't really work. So what what I've done in the past is you feed all the pinkies through the pinky pump once, scoop everything out and put it back into the pinky pump, and that's when you feed the snakes. Like I said, this is something I bought when I had no idea what I was doing, and I figured everybody uses this and everybody needs this. If you're going to breed snakes, you better have this, this, and this, just in case this, this, this happens. Well, I don't need it, and so I don't use it because, like I said, all you have to do is, you know, the head or a tail or a, a chick calf, stuff like that you don't necessarily have to use something like mushed up pinky in a syringe pretty much. So yeah. Um, I, I would not recommend those tools. Um, I would just recommend the stupid little tricks to get them to take.
1: Yeah. I would say that eventually that they will, they, they, they usually all go. I, I've, I have had some that have died, um, for sure. Um, it always seems like it's the one that's the prettiest one that's always having an issue the uh feeding. Always <laughs> <the dumbest. Yeah. laughs> it's always a problem. But uh, you know, uh eventually uh, you know, again, I, I, I've only been doing this for what, four years, so you know, my my Ugh. experience has been that uh, you know, eventually it they they will go. So
0: just God, be patient,
1: my first man. Is
0: my first carpet clutch was in oh nine. My first snake clutch was in oh five.
1: Christ. <laughs> uh, the longest. Uh Brandon has a c has a question that just came up in the chat. And um what's the longest you guys have gone before you've decided um to uh force or assist feed? Um man. Um, so I I guess
0: there's never, there's never a clock on it. There's no time on it. Um, I've gone months without assist feeding with failed attempts at feed, failed attempts at feed, failed attempts at feed. Um, and then I've gone way shorter. It depends on the baby. Sometimes the baby with the most yolk is also the last one to shed. And if you have a clutch of a bunch of fat babies, you know they're not in a rush so neither should you be so i will um like i said i've had i've had one baby where i did not assist feed for 3 months but i kept trying to get it to eat something and it never took and then eventually just by judging its body weight and type that's when i um, pulled the trigger On It's just feeding Like it, it, it's more You have to gauge it more along the lines of What the baby snake's body Is looking like If it is yeah. still looking plump And it's shedding Let it ride If it is yep. looking very thin And not looking too good uh, Pull the trigger Get it done So I mean that's just something you You, you kind of have to do So um you know it is
1: what it is yeah i would agree i i well like i said i've gone 6 months uh without feeding um and for for whatever reason <laughs> they just didn't want to eat and then you know uh after those 6 months it just took off like uh you know like like crazy exactly during that time, it never also, lost weight, uh, which is one of the reasons, yeah, another that was, reason why you kind of look at weights.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was the other thing I was going to say. Is sometimes force-feeding it gives that kickstart to the metabolism, and then their body starts crashing. Yes. So it's almost like if you don't force-feed and just try to get it to eat on its own, you very rarely see a lot of body go downhill. Of course, so we're only talking carpet pythons. There could be other species of snakes where it is crucial. I know blackheads; they start force feeding them like out of the egg. And it's like here, use your food. So
1: yeah, well, yeah. Typically, I think when we've talked to Derek, uh, his 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 approach has sort of uh, morphed over the years in that you know uh, he would try to get them going, get them going, get them going, and they wouldn't take. So eventually, he just came to the mindset that I'm just going to force feed them, uh, and then, you know, after I do that a few times, then usually they take off and, you know, it's, everything's pretty good from there. So why, why mess yeah. around? That's basically what, what his approach was. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Just look at the, uh, the, the weight, uh, and the overall health of what the baby looks like. You want, you don't want it to go. Oh, all right. You riding in a motorcycle. <laughs> No, I, there, somebody just drove by my
0: house. I guess. Uh, holy shit! That's, that wow. our, in my house.
1: Jesus Good lord! Christ. I was gonna say. Well, everybody. He needs. He wants to make <laughs> sure Jim, that
0: everybody on the block knows he has a motorcycle.
1: I thought Jim did maybe Jim was. Uh, no,
0: he would die. Was a I Harley guy or something?
1: <laughs> no, uh,
0: no. I barely trust him around a car. Did you see what he did to my carport?
1: Uh yeah, that's true. <laughs> true story. Yeah. I forgot. You're gonna you are gonna, gonna
0: take away you're gonna take away two wheels? No.
1: Hell no. <laughs> so many
0: people would die.
1: Uh, he is the insurance guy. Uh that's you know. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see. Uh yeah, uh I think I, th- I think we answered that question. I don't know if I finished answering that question or not, but uh, yeah. <laughs> basically I just wait. Um, you don't want to – oh, what I was going to say is you don't want to wait too long before you force feed uh, because sometimes – well, I shouldn't stop saying force feed and I should say assist feed because that's kind of what I do. Assist feed um, because it sounds more PC. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's some people that like they shove the thing into the snake's mouth, and you know. Whereas I think with uh, assist feeding, it's more along the lines of you put it in their mouth and they have to swallow it. You lure, you sort of let them swallow it, type of deal. Um, right. I'm not, I'm not jamming anything down the snake's throat. Uh, I think that's uh, stressful for the snake, and that uh, that could actually right. make it's things worse. Right, regurgitate it. Yes. Yeah. Which could make things very much uh, more uh, have more issues uh, than what you originally had. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that's kind of like, and then from there, man. I, I are you feeding weekly? I know you feed weekly, right?
0: I usually feed weekly. This year, I've been like busy and lazy and. I have not been feeding weekly. I've been feeding like every 10 days or something like that. Okay. No, not by, like, not that bad, but like, I'll feed and then like 10 days will go by and then I'll feed again. But everybody seems to be getting just as big. Like you came over before Carpet Fest and you're like, man, this baby looks like it's eating like crazy. I'm like, that one isn't even shed yet. You're like, oh my God. So it's like, (laughs) everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, you know, it's just one of those things, um, and all my guys are on small mice right now, Yeah. or hoppers, whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, and then I have four that are on fuzzies because they just won't take the hoppers. I think they think that they're too big. And sometimes that happens. You've got to give them a few meals of the smaller thing, and then they'll get the confidence to take on the bigger thing. And also, I think that two, two of the four that are going on the fuzzies are twins, I think. I didn't catch uh, them coming out of the egg, but they're so much smaller than everybody else. Okay, so yeah, and I, and I do have a, I do, and, and the numbers don't add up. Like I had this many eggs, and I got this many babies. So that too, <laughs> he
1: got an extra baby, huh? It's like um, yeah, that happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So w- w- let me ask you this question: When do you feel that uh, yeah. a snake is ready for sale? Like, what what's your What's your target number? Uh, feedings. 5 feedings. Yeah, that's five. me too. So if five, 5 feedings. We're good. Sometimes that you have take yeah, without an issue. In a row. Yeah.
0: Yeah, in a row. Because right now I have this one and it happens to be my holdback red tiger jack who uh-huh. ate and now has refused and now has refused his last 3 meals. And he's right. pissing me off. Because <laughs> this is this is, this is Echo's kid. So it's okay. like, you little bastard, your father didn't put me through this bullshit. <laughs> so it's like, eat your damn food. And so um, it's one of those things where it's like, he, he'll come around. Like, eventually he'll come around. So, um, but I know he ate once. And the worst thing you can do is have an animal eat once or twice and then go off food and then panic and do something like force feed or assist feed or try to change things up on them. Because then they're going to get stuck in whatever the hell you've done with them, or they're going to get even more stressed out and totally just shut down. So if an animal eats once or twice, okay, I know you can do it. I know you can. We're just going to have to find your happy little medium, and that's where we're going to be. It's like that's why this albino is driving me so goddamn up the wall. Because every time I think I've nailed down what our happy medium is, he changes the goddamn rule book. So it's like, all right, you want this mouth, and it wants to be this hot, and it has to be this size. Cool. No, I don't want that one. Why not? <laughs> so,
1: I'm telling it, you, man, it's albinos. So it's, they're, they're just they're
0: tricky God, ones. Just horrible creatures. Just breed your yeah. damn darwins, and then I demand a pair. But I'm not going to take them from you until you show me their best your best feeders. I mean, like I yeah. want the ones that flew out of the bin and ate immediately.
1: I wonder. You know, you had the same issue with bread lie. So I wonder if that has something to do with... They're just not... Yeah, but I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that they're closer to uh, wild animals, not as many generations in captivity.
0: I I don't know because the bread lie were so weird because they just didn't care. They really didn't give two shits that I was like hitting them in the head with a mouse. They were like, eh, stop it. So it was like... And even if I left it there, they would really show interest. They cued in on the movement. And that was it. If, if, if they were just so nonchalant about everything. And of course, I find that with every single bread lie I've ever come in contact with. It doesn't give two shits what's going on around it. It's happy where it is doing whatever it is it's doing. Um, they weren't defensive. They weren't territorial. They didn't care. The second I put a live hopper in there, they're like, the fuck is it? And then it had to die. So it's, that's why if I ever get, um, I didn't get bread lie this year because I don't know what the hell, but it, it, when I get bread lie again, I'm just going to go straight to live, do about three feedings on live and then try to get them on the frozen, which is what I ended up doing. But I could have saved myself a shit ton of aggravation and probably a whole bag of hoppers, um, by just going straight to live with them.
1: Yeah. So. I, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, the, um. I found that like I said that uh I don't know, I've never bred jungles, so I'm not really sure how difficult they are to get going. I've had baby jungles. Um and I haven't had any issues with them feeding. Uh I've had her I've had her yeah. people have issues with jungles. But when all else fails, you can always break out Morelia crack. That's what I call it. African uh-huh. softers. African sulfurs. If you yep. can get them, uh, if you have access to them, man, that's like Morelia crack. <laughs> just like they just. I will.
0: I will agree. I've not used them, but I've heard really, really, really good things about them.
1: But... Yes. Yeah. I have, and they work great. Um, they're a little bit I've more expensive, the... but uh, yeah. they work. They work real well. I've used a different
0: kind of Morelia crack, but it wasn't for babies. It was for okay. adults. Okay. It's, I had a female that would not eat after coming out of laying eggs. And I went and I got a bag of hairless rats from my rat guy. And hairless rats are the most disgusting creature on the planet. So, <laughs> and, and when you thaw them, they uh-huh. feel like a water balloon filled with like slime it they're disgusting to hold and they smell funky but you show that to an adult python and they're like what the hell is that beautiful aroma and they were like lean you know every once in a while you're like you open the drawer before you're ready and when you turn around the snake is like halfway stretched across the room trying to follow whatever it is you're doing.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh-huh.
0: you do, if you even have like, you walk into your snake room with one hairless rat thawing, you have the attention of every single reptile in that room. So and that is the best way I've found to find females or males who just have a problem getting back into the swinging things after breeding season. Just one hairless rat gets them back rolling again. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, okay, no, they're
0: disgusting. they're horrible. <laughs> um, get the special order them too, and oh my
1: God, yeah, I've never used those uh, I know some people have used gerbils, hamsters, um quail, um yep. But uh, I don't know if you would use them for – oh, I guess you could use the fuzzies and stuff for, for babies. Um, I don't know. I found that, like, pinkies I don't even mess with, um, you know, mm-hmm. unless I'm doing this feeding. Um, but otherwise, I, I just don't think that uh, they get anything out of that. Um, I pretty much just no, progress up. I, yeah, I just use uh, hoppers until uh, eventually I get them onto mice, adult mice. And then from there, I just kind of move them up to uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, small rats. Once they're once they're a little bit like a, a, a large mouse, it seems like it's too small. I just go right to small rat, and boom, from there uh, to medium rat. They go uh, on, yep. And I haven't had any issues, uh, but you know, um, for my uh, for my website personally. Um, I sort of do a, um, like a breeding diary. Um, I, I've, I've been trying to do it since 2012. Basically the idea for me came from what Ralph Davis was doing with, uh, ball pythons. Uh, I thought it was a good idea to sort of, I know, um, Anthony Cappanetto did it for carpets too. Uh, but, uh, I thought it was a good idea. And, um, basically, uh, what I, what I do is, uh, uh, I, I have like a, a page where I have the pairings. Uh, I write mm-hmm. whatever action happened uh, this last year. I was real good at uh, uh, making it writing down what happened the previous years. Not so much. Uh, and then once, <laughs> the, yeah, once, uh, once it, the, the clutch hatches, I try to take a picture of the clutch, the mom on eggs. Uh, I like Mm -hmm. to get that in case somebody wants to see that. But rather, what I used to do is I would give somebody a disc of all that info. So now I just put it on my website. So if you want to go, you can just go and look there on the breeding page to see. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you want to know, you know, when the mom had a prelay shed or whatever the case would be. Um, You know, and when the clutch hatched and all that kind of stuff. And then, I, like I said, uh, from from that one page on my breeding diary, it clicks over to a page that's uh, just for that particular clutch. I try to include as many pictures as I can in there, and then I do a post-shed or a pre-shed and then a post-shed, and, you know, uh, that's where they all have numbers. What kind of coding system do you use for your babies? Do you – what what do you – It's a are you, very interesting
0: code that you actually need a cipher and the book that I have the cipher in to determine (laughs) what the code of the baby is okay now the code for the baby is I usually start it's their mother's first initial followed by their father's first initial the year that they were hatched, a dash whether they are a male or a female and what number they are okay now the numbers I used to do is I used to do male one and then female one, but since I do reptile scan now, it does it does males males start at one, and then it goes till all the males are done, and then it starts with the females. So I have like female number twenty four, twenty five. Right. So it doesn't mean they're twenty five females. It means that they were the twenty fifth, twenty fourth, and twenty fifth egg out of that clutch. So.
1: Yeah, everybody's got their own way of doing it. I've seen people uh, you know, just put the mother's name and then, you know, the year and the number and the clutch. What I do is similar to what you do, but I put like for albino zebra jag, I put like mm. AZJ uh X. Uh, I put the mother always first and then the father second. So I put, you know, uh zebra-head albino to albino zebra jag, let's say it would be z h a x a z j you know dash twenty sixteen what clutch it is from twenty sixteen so it would be one two three four whatever and then basically the uh the the number uh from the clutch and then the sex so so it would be like uh z h a x a z j dash sixteen dash one dash One dash male or female, so that's kind of how I do it. Now
0: it is one of those things where I'm not getting these numbers out, not for my benefit, for the customers' benefit, also. But they do come back because every once in a while somebody will buy an animal from somebody else, and they'll come back to me and say, "Hey, is this one of yours?" And I'll be like, "What's the baby number?" And if they, and sometimes very few, but they actually have it. And if they actually have it, then I can give them all the info they've ever wanted on the animal. Um, and that's great because a lot of times people are coming back and asking me who the parents are. And I'm like, well, you know, where's it from? I don't know, but they said the baby number was this. I'm like, okay, so now I know who the parents are and what year they were. Cool. Done. Um, and and it kind of helps out a lot with that stuff. Um, also it helps me so I can make, um, what I like to do is I go online is on my website. There are the lineage charts that I'm making. And I usually put them out for the year, and it's like, if you got a baby from this clutch, this is what you, this is the lineage chart you need to pick up. If you got a baby from this clutch, this is the lineage chart you need to pick up, and it's there for anybody who wants to go buy, like, click on it, save it, then you've got it. Um, it's just one of those things um, when it comes down to that. Uh, <clears throat> So yeah, the, uh, the baby numbers are really just for myself also to know which one I'm talking about and who's going, where and what's going, where, and you know, when you start taking pictures of animals to get ready for selling, you got to know who's who and what's what, you can't just, you don't want to mix them up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think really what I do that for is exactly what you said, just down the line. Mm. If, uh, you know, people have a question or whatever, you're able to, uh, to refer back to that number and uh you know obviously if that again if you look at my breeding page that number is uh on each individual baby so you know even without me you could go on and you could look and you could say oh yeah here's uh you know ct you know citrus tiger 2015 you know number six something like that so you would be able to see that and uh, the lineage would be there and all that stuff. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. So that's it. I yeah. I, I mean, from from there on, man, it's it's usually uh, there's not much on, to then it. I mean, just keep feeding from there on. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Don't stop. I mean, from there on, it's like you've got the baby, hopefully by then, you've got the baby set up in its own bin. It's got its own car, It's got its own setup. And then it's just feeding it. And once it starts eating regularly, don't stop. Just keep going. And then increase the food when it comes. Now, don't be afraid to increase the food size, but know that sometimes it will backfire on you. I had an enti- I had a clutch. Um, out of an entire clutch, I had 11 stinks of regurg the next day because I moved the food up a little bit too big, too fast. And they all were just like nope, and they just keep it right back up after they ate it. And I'm like, oh, really? So, you know, step <laughs> back down a little bit. <laughs> we spent a little bit more time down with the you know the hopper size. So, it they'll right. they'll tell you what they can and cannot do. Um, and then obviously after they spend their time in their five quart bins, everybody's got their own bin that they usually move into after that. But um, they can stay in those five quarts for. Probably the first, like, what, year, year and a half? Oh, before yeah. it starts getting really tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, I have my guys go, like, straight from five right in the 32s, and they settle right in there. Um, I might try to get a rack of 15s just to be, like, the next step for the ones who are a little bit too small for the thir- for the 32s. But they-, they work out fine. Probably about a year. They're ready for – oh, I'm sorry – My guys, in probably about a year, year and a half, they're already on uh, rats, and they're in 32-quart bins.
1: Yeah, I I guess uh, I move up. Um, I used to use a six-quart tub, um, Mm -hmm. but um, as of recent, uh, Matt actually turned me on to this. I use, for my baby racks, for everything else, I use vision, but for my baby racks, I use sea serpent racks. And he makes a uh-huh. really uh really nice uh baby rack um I like the fact that you can stack stack them uh there's like a peg and you know if you wanted to add on yeah. or whatever you can stack it up um and uh they're they're decent man they're decent rack good quality gosh they they're nice yeah yeah, yeah. come you know i think uh I have an eighteen and then I have a a nine um so I have them together. Um, so eventually I'll, I'll add to that down the line, but, uh, so right now I sort of have a mix. I think the six quarts they're kind of big, uh, for, for babies. Um, so I, I, am able to get, uh, more into, uh, and I think it might help. Uh, I've seen it help them maybe with, uh, with feeding and such, because it's, uh, i know it sounds counterintuitive you think that uh babies would want more space and more room to move around and whatnot but uh i found and this 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 applies to uh to borneos and short tails uh too uh that uh they like that like to feel in a small tub you know (laughs) for whatever reason uh when you move them up sometimes they stress out but um yeah, I, I use that. I then move up to, um, uh, sometimes I'll put them in a 15 quart tub. Um, but as of recently, I just go straight to that vision 35, uh, which is like, uh, I guess it's a, like a, 28 a quart tub basically. Um, and then, you know, from there, uh, a CB 70 style tub. And then, you know, those bigger tubs as well. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I grow them up. So. Yeah. he's there? Oh, there you, are. Well, there you
0: go. Well, <laughs> if, well, you know, everybody, again, everybody has their own way of growing them up and getting everything going in the right direction. So yeah, yeah you do that. I do this. Some people do 18 different other things. I mean, it's, one of It is what it is. And yeah. like we've said millions of times, all we can do is tell you guys what we do and you can take that information and see what works for you. Yeah. Half the things that I do might not work for you. Half the things that Eric does might, it might be the other way around. We might be two idiots talking at our backsides when it comes to your collection. <laughs> so yeah. it's just the way it goes. Um, So, again, find what works for you and your collection and stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. And and watch the damn snakes. They're going to tell you exactly what to do and when to do it.
1: Yeah. And just be patient. Just be patient, man. Baby snakes, just be patient. And, uh, you know, usually it works out. Now – I can't wait to do a show somewhere down the line where we're talking about chondros or antaresia uh, if we ever breed those and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, see if it's, uh, quite as easy to get going with babies. Um, but, uh, as far as carpets go, I think, I think they're pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. So, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know anything else you want to hit on before we, uh, Wrap it up,
0: no, I mean that's pretty much we did setups of baby pythons. I mean, that's what you guys wanted, so <laughs> there you guys go, yeah
1: uh all right well let's uh let's let's end with that and uh and there we go um there we go, all right so uh for us um. Oh, I want to give a shout out. Make sure you check out uh GTP Your radio, uh, July 10th at 9. PM. They're going to have a, uh, uh, show. They're going to talk about artificial incubation gadgets and of course chondros. Uh, so, uh, that should be a cool episode. Uh, looking forward to, to hearing that. Um, but they're on blog talk as well. Uh, as far as uh, and they're going to be joining us on the 19th, uh, the 19th, uh, July 19th. We're going to have those guys come by. I'm sure we'll be talking about, you know, carpets or uh, chondros and diamonds and rough scales. Rhinos. Rhinos. Oh, oh, my and...
0: oh, my God. I said rhinos before rough scales.
1: Ah. Something's wrong with me. Loser. Something is wrong
0: with me. I par- I must have a fever. Oh my god!
1: So, uh, so uh, so yeah, that's a that's an episode coming up um, next week. Uh, I haven't nailed down the guest yet, but uh, we'll work that out. So as far as Sweet. us, uh, moreliapythonradio dot com. Uh, that's our website. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, blogtalkradio.com Aurelia Python Radio is the uh, the, the blog talk page Uh, you can listen there you can subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use Uh, just be sure to uh, yeah if you subscribe then every Wednesday hopefully (laughs) Uh, uh, typically I should say uh, Hopefully, yeah, you'll have an episode in your feed, and if you don't, then either it's the week after Christmas or there's a problem with blog talk, otherwise yeah. it'll most be
0: likely most likely it's a problem with blog talk, let's be honest, yeah. so yeah. um but yeah, uh, we try to do that, make sure everything so.
1: If you want to get in contact with us, uh, I really like the emails that are coming through and the, and the communication back uh, on what you guys want to hear, but uh, be sure to send that all to info at com and uh, let us know uh, what you want to hear. Guest topics. If you are somebody that would like to be a guest, uh, perhaps you hear us talk about uh, like we talked about hognose snakes. Um, if you know, about, you know, you breed hognose snakes or you, you're somebody that wants to talk about those snakes or maybe you know somebody that does somebody you know personally uh, you want to set it up just you know send us an email and let us know um, uh, we always like doing those morelia et cetera shows uh, i always think they're fun um, we might not be uh, you know always the best at the species that's covered but i i do like uh, hearing about the uh the other off the wall species you know that Owen usually buys after the show. (laughs) Listen,
0: just because I want the weird thing. I mean, I was talking to somebody, and I said, and they're like, why don't you like ball pythons? I'm like, it's not that I don't like ball pythons. They serve their purpose. They're a great starter pet. You know, and some people can be passionate about them. To me, it's like that song on the radio that you've heard 10 million times. You walk into a snake show. What's on this table? Oh, fucking ball pythons. Next table. Oh, more goddamn ball pythons. I can't do it. I want something different. I want something fresh. I want something, oh my god, I don't see these. That's what I want.
1: Right. That's you know. cool, man. wrong
0: with and I'll get rid of all my carbon Pythons and just have freaky species. <laughs>
1: You'll be that guy. <laughs> I'll be that guy.
0: He yeah. can breed anything, but he's got pairs of whatever the
1: fuck you can think of, so... Yeah, speaking of that, you know that that scrub that Chris posted up. Holy shit, man! Mm. That's a nice scrub. Yeah, woo.
0: Yeah, wow. the wamina. Yeah. <sighs> if only she you know? would just eat. If <laughs> only, <laughs> if only she, if only she oh. would eat consistently and grow oh. and yeah. breed with the male. It's like we have. Two of them. We have we have the male and we have the female. And the female's patternless, and it's right. like, it. You're you're close to like five years old at this point. Will you freaking get the size? I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. This isn't. This isn't something that keeps me up at night screaming at the walls. But all right.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. She's very pretty. So.
1: Yeah, that would be cool totally. if you could reproduce that. Look, man, that's a that's a cool snake. That would for sure. be awesome.
0: And Ryan yeah. Norris could stop trying to make sell it to him. <laughs> 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 like, uh, every time I see Ryan at Timely, he goes, "Did you bring the lamina for me?" I'm like, "No." And he's like, "Are you sure I got money in my pocket?" I'm like, "Well, all right. Man. So you
1: know. One of those yeah, ones. they uh, they I, I've seen too that uh, Dan at at. Uh, Dan has uh, some Oxables, uh for sale. Yeah, Rockies dude, like pretty. four years ago, I would have been like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they're so but hard I to just, come by, man.
0: Yeah, I just don't want to, you know. I to, I no scrubs, no more, no more scrubs. It's <laughs> we'll not do it.
1: Not so. even King Horneye. Not even King Horneye.
0: I'll let crazy other people from various countries consider that.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Semigods who might have you might use thunderbolts. They can mess around <laughs> with certain other things. But I will not.
1: I okay. Know. All right. Um so yeah, so like I said, if you want to get in contact with us, info at MariaPythonRader dot com. Uh, as far as myself, ebmorelia.com, you can check out my website, uh, all the things we talked about, pairings of variability, any news that's going on. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, ebmorelia, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and if you want to get in contact with me, you can always send me an email at eric at ebmorelia.com. And that's all I got. Sweet.
0: Uh, For me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. It is horribly outdated. Uh, I'm working on that. Um, But you can go onto Rogue Reptiles' Facebook Facebook page, and there is new babies up for sale from 2016. Caramels, caramel jags, a super caramel, some funky white jaguar that came out of a caramel egg. It's a weird-looking little sucker. Um, I don't know. I'm going to send you that picture. I'm going to send you that one. Hang on one sec. But um, it is... uh, I didn't see those things that go over there. I know, right? Hang on. uh, I'll keep talking, kind of. Um, So, if you see any babies over there, you can go take a look, see what you like. Um, Let me know. The baby numbers are in there, and we can work out quotes on shipping and stuff like that. Um, They're up now on Rogue's Facebook page. They will be added to the website and King Snake and other places later on this week. I know, right? Probably this weekend. So if you got it, first come first serve. You guys get first dibs if you are a fan of Rogue Rep Health Facebook page. So
1: that's a good picture, today. man. I know, right? You're getting yeah, pretty nice good, morning. man. I don't know. The, the so, eyes but, all in focus, yeah. and the, yeah. the body's in focus. All right. All and it's right.
0: On styrofoam. I didn't buy some stupid white thingy. So. But, that's a good shot. Yeah. Yeah, but she's a good-looking animal. I mean, I don't think and she's going white color. Uh, Caramel to Caramel Jag. Wow.
1: So you would say yeah. that that is a normal Jag, right? I would say that's a normal Jag. Yeah. Yeah. So. And to think that, like, ten years ago, that that would be worth so much money, man. <laughs> like two, like $10,000. You would now. be, like, killing yeah. for for something like that, you know? Like, holy shit, man. But yeah. Okay. Yep. So, Very cool
0: snake. The uh, next thing I got is we have a show in August. I have no idea when. I'll get back to you on that with you guys. Uh, and that's all I got. So, and that's all we got going on here. So, what we'll say is good night, everyone. And we're going to catch you all back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Nice.